everyone, and welcome to the Film Ruminations Podcast, Episode 9. Uh, we're here to talk about the next release in the AGFA series, and it's called Soul Tangler. It all started when my father died. And then I began to investigate. And that's when things really got crazy. My name is Anton Lucchetti. I single-handedly invented Emporia, a drug that can make your soul leave your body and take you to dreams. If Reanimator was shot on Long Island for the price of a used car, the Soul Tangler would be the result. Insane genius Dr. Anton Dopesky has developed a drug that allows users to inhabit corpses and transform into rabid maniacs. Can reporter Kim Castle stop the carnage and save our species from annihilation? This epic of outsider filmmaking is a dreamlike wasteland that is punctuated with severed heads, evil beasties, and hooded slashers. Filmed in basements and garages, director Pat Bishaw's earnest devotion to the storytelling in the spirit of H.P. Lovecraft elevates the soul tangler beyond kitsch and into heavenly territory. Special features on this is um, it's a transfer from the original One Inch Master Tapes. There's a previously unseen director's cut at 62 minutes, a commentary track with uh, director Pat Bischoff, uh, some behind-the-scenes footage, a uh, trailer for The Soul Tangler and Dead of Night Town, a music video for Wow by Hypno Love Wheel, and some liner notes. And it's a, a no, there's a note on here that says, The Soul Tangler was shot in 16mm film, but edited on video. This transfer is taken from the original One Inch Master tapes. Now I think the first thing we need to now, the first thing that I believe we should mention is that this is the first of so far two releases from AGFA that's only on DVD. And I chatted with them about it a while ago, and they confirmed that there is zero purpose of spending the extra money to put this on Blu-ray. There would be no increase in resolution. Uh, they said that the, the film, while it was shot in 16mm, was edited I believe they said on VHS. So it's not going to get any better than it is here. And and that is not to say that it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. It looks fine. You could tell that it is not of the highest fidelity. And that's okay because it, it's a ultra low budget uh, horror film that is a, a lot better than you might think. It's, it's a 90 minute film and uh, in the commentary... For it, uh, Pat Bishaw mentions that the film he wanted to make was 62 minutes. Uh, when they finally got their deal to distribute the film, uh, they said it had to be 90 minutes, period. So there's a lot of extra uh, talking backstory that was not part of the original story. So they got kind of shot some filler. There's some psychedelic-looking uh, images here and there that he says is just there for... Uh, filler for time and he 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 recommended one 
watching the 62-minute uh, director's cut, and two, fast-forwarding through parts of that as well. It's actually kind of fun and funny to watch this with the commentary. He recognized uh, what it is, and uh, I think it adds a lot to the experience, knowing that when you're watching this, it's uh, very early in his career. It's uh, micro-budget. You know, there's some guerrilla photography. It's uh, sneaking in and out to get the shots that he needed. Not lying as much as not being overly honest with the locations about what they're filming. There's a couple scenes near the end uh, that he mentions that he went to the school, says, hey, we want to shoot a film. It's a student film. And that's that's the end of what he said to them to get permission to get the, all the paperwork signed. And he knew that he would need to get uh, police there just to be security for the for the school and, and instead of telling the school that it was going to be some some zombie shots he just said you know we're going to shoot a student film that way the the police would not uh, take umbrage ahead of time as to what they're going to be seeing the film is is i think quite a bit better than it was certainly better than you would expect just looking at some of the stills and uh watching the trailer online you would get a, a pretty strong indication that this is not going to be uh what you would expect going into a horror film from the era let alone from today but you really should be prepared for some some much better than expected effects uh some of the the gore effects are dare i say good in many aspects uh, a heck of a lot better than you might expect uh, i went in knowing what to expect not that i had seen it before but just knowing the the label that it's on the fact that the best they could offer was on dvd the trailer that i had seen it it does not leave much to the imagination as uh to the concept of a high art or anything of that matter however i think that it's it's films like these that are just as necessary for a horror fan that as you know a halloween you get something that is, is a crowd pleaser you can you know that it has historical value and it's it it matters to the the history of of horror films and then you have films like the soul tangler which these shot on video uh well this was shot in 16 but edited on video super low budget films are an example of horror filmmakers that are more on the level of, of everyday folks that just wanted to make a movie and put it out and and, and I have to applaud Pat Bishaw for that uh, he's, he he makes it very obvious in his commentary track that he's surprised that anybody's uh, watching it at all uh, second that anybody would be watching it with a commentary track and um, I need to be thankful for Agfa and Bleeding Skull Video who uh, worked on the film as well uh, to release gems like this it's important to me and and i know that that's the whole intent of the well no i shouldn't say that the whole intent of modern uh home video is you know to make money but i think it's also to get little gems like soul tangler out into the hands of people that want them one thing that i i kind of want to bring attention to uh reading the back it mentions reanimator the two films have a fair amount in common. According to Bischoff, he did not know Reanimator was a thing at the time that he was writing and making 
Soul Tangler. And I think that if you were to pull out all the extra 30 minutes of filler and backstory and just went with uh, the director's cut, you wouldn't really make that distinct of a comparison. Soul Tangler is transferring your soul from one body to the other through the eyes with the help of a curiously colored liquid solution. Whereas Reanimator is a curiously colored liquid solution that, as the title would suggest and the uh, original H.P. Lovecraft story would confirm, is to reanimate the dead. So there is that connection, you know. Soul Tangler is essentially reanimating the dead because he finds that his in his tests he's not transferring himself into the body of someone else that is alive because the target body cannot have a soul already in it. So it's easiest to do it on a dead body because the soul would have left. So it's, I mean, there is a definite incidental uh, connection between the two. There's definitely room out there for both. As a lifelong fan of the reanimator, I'm not going to try and compare the two. Just to say that I have room in my heart for both. So that was actually one of the biggest issues that I had with Soul Tangler. And this is just for this this show, not for the film itself. Was trying to decide what to pair it with. I, I was struggling. They came to a point where I almost considered pairing it with Reanimator. But I, I knew that that is not really a, a fair pairing. Taking a film like Soul Tangler, which I enjoy and I want you to watch. Uh, and comparing it to one of my favorite horror films, it, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem just to Soul Tangler. And uh, it's, it's a little too on the nose. And I kind of promised you guys that I would not be quite as on the nose as I was that first time. So for Soul Tangler, I decided to pair it with George Franju's Eyes Without a Face. Pourquoi les miroirs de cette étrange demeure sont-ils masqués de noir
que cherche-t-elle Le reflet de ses yeux. De son visage. J'ai rendez-vous avec une amie. Je vous dirai demain. Demain, il sera trop tard, mon docteur. Edith Scott, dont vous connaîtrez enfin le visage en venant voir notre prochain spectacle, Les yeux sans visage. At his secluded chateau in the French countryside, a brilliant, obsessive doctor, played by Pierre Brassier, attempts a radical plastic surgery to restore the beauty of his daughter's disfigured countenance at a horrifying price. Eyes without a face, directed by the supremely talented Georges Franju, is rare in horror cinema for its odd mixture of the ghastly and the lyrical. It has been a major influence on the genre for in the decades since its release. There are images here of terror, of gore, of inexplicable beauty, and once seen, never forgotten. It's a new high-definition digital restoration with uncompressed mineral soundtrack, a high-definition restoration of Franju's 1949 documentary, uh, Blood of the Beasts, about uh, Slaughterhouse's uh, archival interview, with Franju on the horror genre cinema and the making of Beasts of uh, Blood of the Beasts, a new interview with actor Edith Scobb, excerpts from Le Grand Parade de Crime, a 1985 documentary about Eyes Without a Face, and uh, some trailers. This was released by the Criterion Collection uh, a couple years back. It's 90 minutes, just like Soul Tangler, but it's French. So just be ready for that. After racking my brains on what to pair with Soul Tangler. I, I thought about the connection between the eyes that Bishaw was, uh, kept mentioning throughout the commentary. And all of a sudden, this movie clicked into my mind. I've watched Eyes Without a Face a couple of times now, and it's very slow. This would have been in the middle of the French New Wave, but it's it's not really connected to it. Uh, it it has more in common with like a, like a Cocteau film stepping away from that new feeling and going back to like a like a diabolique sort of you know horror suspense film and it's i think it's ahead of its time in some of its visuals I'm thinking there's a, a scene basically the doctor is attempting to harvest the faces of other young women to give to his daughter who is becomes disfigured because of an accident that it's 
Hmm. How do I want to say this? The the daughter appears to be a little like stuck up. Uh, there's a scene, you know, when she is absolutely gorgeous, and she kind of is is acting like somebody who has never really had to earn anything. And to have all of that taken away, you can see a characteristic in her that shifts away from expecting everything to wanting nothing. And I think that is kind of telling when when you lose something that is, is so precious to you, you are able to start to see things in a different light. Obviously, in comparison between the two movies, you don't really get that in uh, Soul Tangler. It's really more of a catch the killer which there's a lot of in eyes without a face as well but the the interviews between the doctor and the police the first thing he does is after the the first attempt to harvest a skin graft goes awry he dumps the body they find the body the body has you know similar characteristics to his daughter which was intentional he uses that as an opportunity to fake his daughter's death so that people will stop looking for her which doesn't do much for her. It does a lot for him because he's able to work more in secret. There, there's a great deal of humanity in the film where you're not really expecting to find it. And it's a beautiful and gorgeous film. And the connection between the two, uh, tenuous connection between the two, I'll accept that, is the concept in Soul Tangler. It's, you know, the transfer of power through the eyes. Uh, whereas this, all she has left is her beautiful eyes. And... You can see the doctor's intent to to transfer the beauty, I suppose, uh, from the victims onto his daughter so that she may live a, a normal life. Is, is, in a sense, a, a soul transfer because it is, with the face being such a recognizable feature, it's uh, essentially transferring into a different body. I think that the two films work fairly well together. Uh, on that level, it would probably be a tough sell for an audience that is a huge fan of the shot-on-video style of low-budget horror films to then flip their attention over to a French lyrical horror thriller. But I, I, that's kind of the point to me, uh, cinema, is that you can have these the, these two elements out there that do have a a connection on some level that can help to to broaden and connect various other uh, methods if this is so that is a, a connection i think gee many christmas sorry i keep looking at this box art for uh eyes without a face and it it just keeps like uh you know haunting me and, and hypnotizing me it's the loss and the longing in her eyes is is beautiful put that next to i, I reversed the cover on soul tangler and it's got this you know, rubber mask of uh, a zombie that uh, the eyes are, you can, there's an intensity like between the two. There's such a, a disconnect between them that it is really quite beautiful. So this pairing is Soul Tangler from the American Genre Film Archive and Eyes Without a Face from the Criterion Collection. Uh, both films, I think, work well together. And I, I don't think you'd be disappointed watching them. Uh, uh, one piece of business that I want to talk about is uh, my friend Doug McCambridge designed a new logo for uh, this podcast. And it is very, it, it, it's beautiful. I, I am a big fan of it. I hope you like it too. Uh, we kind of chatted very briefly uh, about a, a snap idea that I had for a visual. And he went to town and created 
just a great image that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get updated on iTunes. Um, it's already updated in uh, SoundCloud, so uh, hopefully you'll start to see it. And I, I've shared it around. Doug does a uh, podcast with his friend Jamie um, about 1980s films called Good Times, Great Movies. And I'm a big fan of what they do is they take a, a look at a lesser known or uh, lesser produced, I suppose, is a nice way of saying yeah, film from the 80s. And they try and find some, some love in it. And uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, Doug just goes to town on how bad Liquid Sky is. And uh, that really tested our relationship. And I think he knows that. Maybe the, the, the logo was uh, rebuilding that bridge. And this is uh, you know, in jest. Doug's a great guy. Uh, we talk a lot on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And, and I just really appreciate having him uh, in my life and having him uh, make this this logo. And uh, it was really, really great. So definitely check out his podcast. Consider becoming a patron. It's, uh, it, it's a community that I am very glad to be part of. Um, it all stems out of the Criterion Collection, and uh, and it's a bunch of great people that um, the whole impetus of, of this podcast is time that I spent chatting with uh, uh, David Blakesley and Dave Eaves and, uh, and Aaron West and uh, people like that in, in various uh, iterations of Criterion podcasts that made me want to give it a go. And so it is because of them that I am here now. And, and because of those friendships that Doug made this logo for me. And, and I think it's great. And I really appreciate that, Doug. I uh, really, really, truly do. Now, I also want to make a quick promise that uh, not every pairing is going to be with a French film. I, I recognize that that is not going to be for everybody. And, and uh, I can absolutely assure you that the next film will not be uh, French. It will definitely be two English films. The next film in the uh, Agfa series is God Monster of Indian Flats. And it is a 1950s or 60s uh, monster movie with a giant sheep. And I hope that you come back for that one. I, <laughs> it's a very interesting film. And, and I'm really excited. Uh, I already know what to pair with that one, so... Uh, so that would be the God Monster of Indian Flats will be not the next episode, uh, but the next um, episode of the AGFA series. The next episode is going to be an audio edition of my 2018 top 15 releases. This is uh, releases in home video, not in the theater. I did not see 15 films that I thought would be worthy of a top anything list in the theater. So uh, I've... the I'm almost done working on that one. Uh, it's a heck of a project to write. So I thought this year I would include an audio addition to the written one uh, just to kind of help because I know that uh, reading, uh, right now I think it's sitting at about 6,000 words. I, I recognize that that's a bit long for a quick movie blog. I try and keep the blog entries uh, much shorter than that. So uh, look for that. Hopefully... Uh, by the end of the year, I, I imagine I shouldn't have an issue uh, making that happen. Maybe the text version will definitely be out by, by the end of the year, uh, audio, because that's going to be uh, 
tricky to edit, I think. Not tricky, just a, a long process. So look for that very soon. Uh, thank you very much for taking any time to listen to me talk about these movies. I love them, and I want you to love them as well. Again, thank you very much. I hope you have a great day.